Welcome to the Axial Spondyloarthritis Podcast, hosted by me, Jason Sacco. I'm a longtime spondy looking to bring the community closer to give the community a voice. I'll be reaching out to organizations, doctors, nutritionists, and anyone that I think can help increase our spondy quality of life. Enjoy and learn what is available to make your life better. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Axial Spondyloarthritis Podcast. So this is a final episode in a three-week series on a new diagnosis for axial spondyloarthritis. In the first couple, we talked about getting the diagnosis and dealing with that, how to handle it. Then we talked about some of the first steps towards the treatment for axial spondyloarthritis. And in this episode, I want to talk about some of those first medications that you might encounter in the treatment of axial spondyloarthritis. The names are all over the place. If you're new to this, they're going to be throwing all these different names at you, and it can be really quite overwhelming. So we kind of want to break it down into just some real basics to consider as you start to learn about axial spondyloarthritis and how to work with it going forward. So, you know, one thing to understand is whether you have the non-radiographic version or ankylosing spondylitis, the treatment plan itself is going to really cover the same three basic pieces. And that's reduce pain and stiffness, prevent your back from locking in place, and helping to you to continue normal activities, a keep a decent quality, a good quality of life. So you want to work closely with your doctor and that medical team that we talked about in last week's episode to come up with the care plan, the treatment plan that is right for you. So what are some of the treatment options? Well, for anyone diagnosed with axial spondyloarthritis, they're usually going to start you off with what's called a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug, an NSAID. Maybe some physical therapy, and maybe, hopefully, they'll talk to you about exercise. So as long as your disease isn't too advanced, the NSAIDs, along with exercise, should be a good starting spot. They may also talk about biologics, and we'll cover that in a second. But what's a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug? Well, that's going to be medicine like naproxen, which when I was diagnosed back in 1984, that was all there was. You got naproxen or you got naproxen, good luck. There's also indocin, um, and those are both can relieve pain and inflammation and are usually a starting point to see how really severe it is acting inside of you. If they can start you off on these lesser medications, it's a good spot to at least get a baseline for where your pain is at and what's working at any given time. But like all medicines, and NSAID's no different, there are some potential side effects that you may encounter. And that risk, that'll increase if the dose is higher or the longer you use them. With higher doses, you usually need that to maybe control axial spondyloarthritis. So you want to talk with your doctor about what's the right dose for you once you get an idea of what's helping you, what's not helping you. And then understand that in many cases, it's better if you take these medicines on a daily basis instead of, um, you know, just when you feel pain. If you have that built up in your system, it can help to keep inflammation low and that may keep you from having some of those severe flares. Then there's pain relievers, say for example, like a Tylenol. Those may be used to help reduce some of the pain if you're not able to take NSAIDs. But remember, things like Tylenol will not stop the inflammation. They'll just temporarily give you some pain relief. 
you also have things like steroids that can be used. You know, sometimes joints other than those in your spine can be affected by the axial spondyloarthritis. You know, your knees, your ankles, your wrists start to swell. They might give you an injection of a steroid. They might give you something like a prednisone. All of those can have different benefits. They can have different drawbacks. So remember, every time you look at something different, understand what is going to come into play and what's going to help. They may also talk to you about biologics. I've done multiple episodes on biologics, and I'll have links to those in the show notes. They could start you off on something like an Embril or a Humira, maybe a Cosentix, a Remicade. There's just a plethora of options. But the main thing is it's not so much important which biologic you start off with. It's that you need to understand it might take you two, three, four biologics to find the one that's going to work right for you. So understand that, you know, I see a lot of people on the online forums that I'm about to start biologic XYZ and I'm so excited. I'm so excited and I feel so bad because if that biologic doesn't work, they're almost crushed. Not understanding that, well, it didn't work. It just means I have to try the next one and the next one. And it's just a unfortunate process with this disease is that the doctors have no way at this time of understanding which one you're going to react to. So they have to just kind of start to try them off. So that's why it's always great to not get your hopes built up so high. Um, and that, that can be very difficult for someone that's newly diagnosed. And then you'll go through, try them out, find the right one, and hopefully that helps you. But again, your doctor will go through any of the potential side effects with those because they can be scary when you read the label. But I would encourage you to talk to your doctor about that. He or she should be able to go through what you're looking at and are you more susceptible to some versus the other ones that really might not be applicable to you. And finally, just like the other episodes, I want to talk to you about what I call the power of movement. Got to keep moving. Got to keep exercising. The more you move when you can with this disease, the better off you will be when you get to be my age. I'm 50. And so had I done more movement in my 20s, 30s, and 40s, I might not be in the condition I'm in now. So do the Tai Chi, the yoga, the Pilates. You know, if you're still capable of playing basketball with your buddies, do it. Be careful. If you want to go out and do some type of you know physical exercise, do it. Just be careful. Listen to your body. Your body will tell you when you're no longer able to participate in the things that you like to participate in. So practice posture training, daily exercise. If you sit in front of a computer for long hours every day, make sure you have a chat with your boss to let him or her know that you need to get up and move around. In the United States, that might be covered under FMLA, ADA, I don't know. Talk with your doctor, see what's most applicable to you. Maybe your doctor needs to write a note that you then provide to your HR department why you need to get up and be able to move for 10 minutes every hour. So maybe you don't have a single break during the day. You have a bunch of little ones so that you can continue to get up and move. And also don't worry, if you haven't exercised much up until this point, now is the perfect time to start. We've discussed it in a lot of episodes. Walk around your living room. Walk around the block in your neighborhood. Walk up and down your street if that's what you can do. Um, it doesn't matter what you can or can't do. If others are able to go run a marathon, that's great for them. You're not them. You do what you can do and be happy with that as you build strength. Get yourself in better shape. 
to keep you know pushing it so that maybe this year it's a walk around the block next year it's a walk around two blocks that's great again it's what you can do not what others can do and if you're again as you said if you're into contact sports you know understand that you have axial spondyloarthritis and that may not be a good option for you anymore and finally swimming if you can get access to a pool a lake river whatever you want to be comfortable swimming in that is one of the best things that you can do because it removes the pressure off the joints of your body, allows you to exercise, move, and not have that massive pressure affecting your hip joints, your spine, your ankles, your knees. So all of that is good. If you can get into a pool, you can really get some good cardio in. But again, listen to your body. Swimming, if you can do, will help increase your flexibility in a you know your neck, your spine, but don't overdo it. If you get access to a pool, just take it bit by bit as you build up and, and get that strength back in your body. So with that, I want to thank everybody again for listening. Please go out to spondypodcast.com, sign up for the newsletter, and please go to the review tabs and then leave a review on either iTunes, Podchaser, or it'd be fantastic if you want to leave a review on both. And don't forget, you can also get your axial spondylarthritis t-shirts out at the website as well. Thank you. Y'all have a wonderful week, and I can't wait to talk to you again. Take care.